Grab your Bibles if you would. Let's go to 2 Samuel 17 if you would please. 2 Samuel chapter number 17 this morning. Stand if you would for the reading of the Word of God. I like standing not as a formality but just sort of as a reminder of uh, some respect that we have for the Word of God. For the seriousness of it. I think it's a good show of respect. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 17, verse 1, Moreover, Ahithophel said unto Absalom, Let me now choose out 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue after David this night. And I will come upon him while he is weary and weak-handed, and will make him afraid, and all the people that are with him shall flee. And I will smite the king only. And I will bring back all the people unto thee. The man whom thou seekest is as if all returned. And so all the people shall be in peace. And the saying pleased Ahithophel well and all the elders of Israel. Then said Absalom, Call now Hushai the archite, and let us hear likewise what he saith. And when Hushai was come to Absalom, Absalom spake unto him, saying, Ahithophel hath spoken after this manner. Shall we do after his saying? If not, speak thou. And Hushai said unto Absalom, The counsel that Ahithophel hath given is not good at this time. For, Hushai, for said Hushai, thou knowest thy father and his men, that they be mighty men. And they be chafed in their minds as a bear robbed of her whelps, as a bear robbed of her whelps in the field. And thy father is a man of war and will not lodge with the people. Behold, he is hid now in some pit or in some other place, and it will come to pass when some of them be overthrown at the first, that whosoever heareth it will say there is a slaughter among the people that follow Absalom. And he also that is valiant, whose heart is as the heart of a lion, shall utterly melt. For all Israel knoweth that thy father is a mighty man, and they, shall be, and they which be with him are valiant men. Therefore I counsel that all Israel be gathered together unto thee, from Dan even to Beersheba, and as the sand that is by the seashore for multitude, and that thou go to battle in thine own person. So shall we come upon him in some place where he shall be found, and we will light upon him as the dew falleth on the ground. And of him and of all the men that are with him, there shall not be left so much as one. Moreover, if he be gotten into a city, then shall all Israel bring the ropes to that city, and we will draw it into the river, until there be not one small stone found there. And Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The counsel of Hushai the archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. For the Lord had appointed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel, to the intent that the Lord might bring evil upon Absalom. Let's ask God to bless the preaching and then we'll get into the message. Father, again, I come to you this morning and I thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for what we just heard and to see what you're doing in the hearts of these young people. And Lord, you can even watch as they sing. That seems like they mean it. I pray that they definitely would. You only know hearts. But God, we love them and we're thankful that you've entrusted to us a youth group and they represent different families and parents that are doing the best they can to try to raise their kids in church. And so, Lord, we just thank you for it. We ask you to continue to work on their hearts. And we ask you to bless us now as we get into the Word of God. I pray that you'd help us to find that in the middle of all that's going on here this morning, that there is Jesus. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, if you would look back with me, please, at 2 Samuel 16, verse 23. I find this to be a very interesting verse. It says, And the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel with David and with Absalom. 
What an absolutely bizarre statement, and it's, it's 100% correct. There's nothing wrong with what was said right there, but when you begin to dive into what's going on in this storyline and you start looking at this thing, you realize that is a very bizarre thing for God to have said about Ahithophel. The reason is because Ahithophel gives counsel to Absalom that goes directly against the Bible. He tells Absalom, take your father's concubines up on the roof and defile them in the sight of all Israel so all Israel knows you've burned those bridges between you and your dad and there's no reconciling that relationship and you're the next king in Israel because your dad took off and ran. Show them all you're the man and go up on the roof and defile all his wives. Ten concubines. That is a direct violation of the Old Testament where God put a curse on any young man who would take his father's wife, meaning in that day a man who would sleep with his, his stepmom, God's put a curse on that back in the Old Testament. That's precisely what Absalom had just, done, had just been advised to do by Ahithophel. To make it even worse, you go back before the law, you understand that when Reuben did the same thing, he lost his birthright and there's a curse on Reuben for what he did in that same situation. And yet Ahithophel gives this counsel and the Bible says his counsel was as if somebody counseled at the oracle of God. Ahithophel's wisdom and his relationship with David ran way back and Ahithophel was known in Israel as a wise man that when you needed to figure something out and there's high stakes involved in the situation, Situation, you get a hold of this guy because he sees things other people aren't necessarily going to see. You ever talk to somebody like that? I mean, get counsel from somebody? And you've been around a little while, you know, and you got your mind made up already what you want to do. And you go and you talk to him and you say, hey, what do you think? Because you respect that person's opinion. And you, I don't know if you've ever been there, but I've been there. You're literally like blown away by like, oh, why didn't I think of that? How, yeah, you're absolutely right. And how did I not see that layer? You understand when it comes to counsel and wisdom that some people have a special gift in that area that not everybody has. God bestows that gift on some people and some people have the gift of being able to counsel, have the gift of wisdom and look at things a little bit differently than the average person would look at them. And so David as a king with high stakes in the nation, he's going to pick out the wisest and the best men to put around himself because he's got a lot of decisions to be making on a constant basis in a position of leadership like David had. And his decisions are not small decisions. The decisions he makes impacts other people, which is, by the way, true of all of us. The decisions you make impact people around you, people you love, your family members. You're really not an island in and of yourself. What you and I need throughout life is counsel. Let's just face it, this morning, are we not all gathered here, your pastor included? Because, listen, I put in a lot more time at church <laughs> than... Than what, you're, than what you do on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I, that that might have sounded bad. I'd please take it nicely. That's right. The passage of Scripture that I break out to you in an hour's worth of time, there's been a whole lot more time that I've spent seeking counsel from that passage. Does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, Are we not all here because we need some counsel in life? Yes, don't you need God to sort of say, hey, listen, you need to notice this about yourself. You need to notice that about yourself. You need to understand this about that friend or this about that influence or this about that advice you're getting. We all get counsel throughout life. Yes. By the way, parents, 
not just for your kids, but also for yourself, understand they're receiving more counsel than you think they're receiving. You are influenced by what you take in, what you ingest, what you look at, what you listen to. You're getting counseled all the time. What I'm preaching to you on this morning is counsel. We're talking in this series about things that hurt the church. I'll tell you one of the things that hurts the church the most is bad counsel. When you listen to the wrong voice and when you allow the wrong people to have influence in your life, you are fixing to mess up, you're fixing to hurt yourself, and you're fixing to hurt people around you in a big way. The counsel you receive is very important. The weird thing about it, here's where this thing goes really to another level. The crazy thing about it is that Ahithophel was a man that when you received counsel from him, it was as though somebody counseled at the oracle of God. This guy had a tremendous amount of wisdom and had for a long time been with David, counseling David. And when he was with David, counseling David, the advice he gave was spot-on advice. Ahithophel had phenomenal advice when he gave it, tons of wisdom and lots of Bible in what he said. And yet, now I'm confused. Because I'm looking at this passage and this guy tells Absalom to do something. That is a direct violation of the scriptures. But was exactly what God wanted Ahithophel to say at that time to that person. You got another man in the passage who's also a counselor. His name is Hushai. Hushai was a loyal friend of David. See, Ahithophel, had, he had switched sides, right? He had gone with Absalom at a certain point, which we're going to come back to in a minute. I'm going to make this make sense. I'm confusing you right now on purpose, okay? Hushai is another man. Hushai is a good man. He's loyal to David. And David says to Hushai, listen, man, we're going to do a little espionage deal here. What I need out of you is I need you to go back and pretend like you're loyal to Ahithophel. Because, to, to, to Absalom. Because he's got Ahithophel down there. And when he talks to Ahithophel, I'm telling you, that guy's sharp. That guy is an absolute shark. Do not get in the water with him unless you want to get eaten. He comes out every time in every negotiation on top. He's got a mind most men don't have. He's got a wisdom level other men don't get. He sees what's going to happen and how to get the best results out of a situation with the details he's dealing with. He takes what he has to work with, wisdom, and brings the best result out of what he has to work with that he can possibly bring out. You do understand that, right? Wisdom is not necessarily being perfect. Wisdom is taking what you have to deal with and trying to bring the best results out of it moving forward. That's Ahithophel. Hushai is there, David's good buddy. David says, go down there and pretend like you're with him. So Absalom needs some counsel. And Absalom goes to Ahithophel and he gets the counsel from Ahithophel and he likes what he hears. Do you know what Ahithophel told David? Uh, told Absalom exactly what he needed to do to win. It's a scary thing when you start thinking about counsel. Because you've got to understand something about God. God will give you truth if you want truth. The question this morning is, really, do you want the truth? Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You want the Lord? See, if you really want the Lord, then you love truth. 
Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So truth brings you, first of all, to Jesus Christ for salvation. But then if you love what he did for you, if you're thankful for your salvation, you say, listen, he didn't just save my soul. He, he actually, I want him to have my life. I'm not just thankful for my fire insurance. I'm actually devoting my life to Jesus Christ. I want to know that Savior. I want my life to be guided by Him. I want my life in the end to come out exactly like He wants it to look. I don't have a desire for my life. My will is gone. My desire is Him and a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're ever going to have that, you have to love truth. No matter what the truth is. You understand the truth goes beyond the King James Bible. I didn't say there's other Bibles that are... I'm saying the King James Bible is absolute, inerrant, infallible, preserved, inspired truth. Yes. But that King James Bible is a two-edged sword. So the truth found in that book actually applies to you. You are not absolute truth. There's not a person in the room that's absolute truth. We're all sinners. That means that the truth of the Word of God is going to cut the falsehood that's in Mike Reagan and in my nature and in my personality and in my sin and in my tendencies. So I have to love the truth so much that when that truth cuts me, I say, I'm wrong and you're right, God, and I'll fix that. I'm sorry. Please help me to fix that. When you run into truth like that that you don't want, you can be a King James Bible believer, rightly dividing, church going, tithing Christian all you want, but you don't love truth if you won't bow to it when it tells you you're wrong. So you know what God will do with that two-edged sword? He'll say, okay, you want to lie? You can have it. God didn't deceive you. God didn't deceive Absalom. Absalom deceived himself. The devil deceived him. When the devil quotes, uh, goes to tempt Jesus Christ, what's he do? He quotes scripture at him. Yeah. That book in your lap is dangerous. You know what that book is? It's counsel. The problem is, a lot of people think they have the truth, and they don't. There's three things in the passage I want to show you about counsel. First of all, you're going to have to see the motive for counsel. Not just your motive for receiving counsel, but the motive of the individual counseling you. You understand that? When you ask for opinion, when you ask for help, when you ask God for wisdom, when you look for counsel, why are you asking for it? Number one. Number two, why is the person talking to you giving you advice? It's more than just, I want good advice. I'm really looking for the truth. I really want to know. It's more than just my motive. It's also the man behind the counsel. It's one thing to say, I want truth, and then go to the wrong source for truth. Do you know how many people do that? They'll say they want truth, but they go to the wrong source for truth. Hey, listen, I don't understand what it is because I'm not God. I doubt a motive when you go to the wrong person, but many good people have gotten deceived by the wrong counsel from a good person or a good counsel from the wrong person. And then the last thing we're going to see in the passage is the madness, meaning the mental insanity of ruling out God when you get counsel. 
First of all, you'll notice the motive behind getting counsel. You've got two different men in the passage, both having high stakes. First of all, you've got Absalom and his motive for receiving counsel. Look at verse number 4. It says, And the saying pleased Absalom well and all the elders of Israel. Absalom's looking for counsel, and you know what he's looking for when he gets counsel? He's looking for his will to be fulfilled. He's looking for advice that pleases him. He wants to hear what he wants to hear. And he's willing to go out there and make sure he's getting the best for himself because Absalom's motive was purely self-will, self-desire, self-exaltation. He did not care about anybody or anything beside his cotton-picking self. And you live in a nation full of people that are nothing more than selfish. And I see it in Christianity. I see it in Bible-believing Christianity. Can't see past the end of your cotton-picking nose because you are your God. So you don't care what anybody else thinks, feels, or anything. You're going to look for counsel that suits your will, not God's, and not the betterment of anybody else but you. The motive for counsel. I can't tell you how many times in the short while I've been in the ministry, I've come across people that they, they call through preachers. They'll call three or four good Bible-believing preachers, and they'll get advice. And they call the next one, and they get advice. And they call the next one, and they get advice. And they call the next one, and they get advice. But the last one gave different advice than the first three. And finally, they found the guy. They finally found the preacher. He's so much better than all those other guys who believe just like he does. They're all King James Bible believers. They all rightly divide. They're all great guys. But this one told me what I want to hear. So now he's the best preacher. And that's the only one that I listen to. Question, why are you taking like a poll of preachers to try to figure out what you need to do? You know why? Your motive is you want to hear what you want to hear and you're not going to stop till you find somebody tells you exactly what you want to hear. Then you're going to be happy because he told you what you want to hear. That's, right. that's, what, that's exactly what Absalom's doing. He's, he's working the system to see if Hushai says something different from Absalom. But what he heard from Absalom, he liked. I mean, Ahithophel, he liked. But wait, let me see if I can find something better. Why? Because it was all about Absalom. If your motive for counseling is to try to, for accepting counsel, is to please yourself, I will guarantee you, you will find somebody wicked enough to tell you what you want to hear. Yeah, absolutely. I'll guarantee it. You know how it works for young ladies? You find some guy who claims to believe the Bible, and he'll show you in the Bible that marriage is flesh joining flesh, so we don't need a ceremony. Just real quiet. You dads shouldn't get quiet on me, man. Make me angry. Don't be a coward. Not at all. It says, he'll, he'll get in there and say, see, flesh joining flesh. What was the ceremony in the Garden of Eden? Yeah, Lucifer uses the Bible to mess people up. Well, that's the easy route, so I'll go the easy route. Oh, we're going to be monogamous. We're going to get married. I love you. You promise. I promise. Okay, we did our vows. He's a snake. That's a dangerous man. I don't care what he says he believes. That's a dangerous man. You know what you'll do? You're going to come in here. They'll come in here pretending like they want to believe the Bible because we got so many young girls in the youth group. Hey, look, man. If he gets saved, he gets saved. Praise the Lord. I'll give him a fair chance. I'll give him a fair chance. 
But there are ways of figuring it out. Do you understand what I'm saying? What ways? I ain't telling you. You'll figure it out. You better watch out for what counsel you listen to. You young people, you better listen to me. We'll talk more about it this afternoon. You better listen to me very clearly. The devil has ways of trying to get you off track and ruin your life. And it will be the advice you want to hear. It'll sound good to you. It'll make you number one. It'll put you at the forefront of everything. And it'll sound so good, it's as though he got counsel at the oracle of God. They'll open up the Bible and see, your your daddy never showed you this. Your preacher never showed you that. How come you never thought about it from that perspective? That exact same guy, listen to me, ladies. That exact same guy will later justify cheating on you by saying, well, in the Old Testament, a guy could have a wife and a few concubines on the side. You're too graphic, preacher. You don't know the generation we're living in, or you're a hypocrite, one of the two. I ain't too graphic. I'm very gentlemanly about the way I put things. But I'm not going to hide the truth. We need somebody to show it and expose what's going on. You better watch out. They'll take a Bible and open it up and try to convince you from a Bible to give you the advice you want. What's your motive for getting advice? Do you love Jesus Christ? You want God to lead in your life? You want to take the next few years you have left, whatever that might be, before you die and do everything that God can do in you, with you, and through you to help other people and do something with your life. Is that what you want? Yes. Then ask yourself about the motive for the advice you're getting. And be careful because God sees motives and God will allow you to have what you want. Absalom's motives were his own will. And notice in verse number 11 when Hushai comes on the picture, Hushai begins to play to Absalom's pride. Therefore I counsel that all Israel be generally gathered where? Unto thee. You're so important. From Dan even to Beersheba. As the sand that is by the sea for multitude and that thou go to battle in thine own person. You know what Hushai is doing? He's manipulating him. He's appealing to his pride. Don't forget, this is the guy that's David's friend. He's the spy. And he sees what he is dealing with, and he knows that this guy wants nothing more than a lie, and he's hell-bent on doing wrong, and he ain't going to repent, and he's a wicked man. And he's saying, all right, here's what we're going to do. Don't listen to Ahithophel. Do you know what? Ahithophel's advice, it was as if a guy inquired at the oracle of God, it would have worked. What I'm saying is, if Absalom had listened to Ahithophel, they would have wiped out David, killed David, David's men wouldn't have had any option, they would have either died on the battlefield or they would have switched sides. Ahithophel gave Absalom perfect advice. And Absalom liked it. Because it was like, okay, yeah, that pleases me well. And all the men of Israel said, yeah, he's right. He's always right. He's Ahithophel. Ahithophel's got it down. Ahithophel has wisdom. But Ahithophel wasn't God's man in this situation. We'll get to that in a second. Hushai wants to give him a lie because he wants a lie. So God's saying, Hushai, give him a lie. That's what he wants. So he gives him a lie. And he starts appealing to his pride. And because Absalom's motive for getting counsel is nothing more than Absalom, Absalom but takes the bait. 
Oh, yeah. Let's gather them unto me. Let's gather all Israel like the sand of the sea. We'll overrun them. We'll just massacre them. That's great. I'll look great. I'll be the conquering king. I'll wipe out my old man because I'm the guy. And he took that advice. But you also have King David in the passage seeking advice. Look at verse 21 came to pass after they were departed that they came out of the well and went and told King David and said unto him, Arise and pass quickly over the water, for thus hath Hithophel counseled against you. Then David arose and all the people that were with him. And they passed over Jordan by the morning light. There lacked not one of them that was not gone over Jordan. David gets some advice because Hushai is there as a spy and he tells Zadok and, and Abiathar the priests and they send the young men to go, Jonathan and Hymas, they send them to go give the information to David, right? They sneak out. And, and we'll get back to it in a minute, but they get spotted as they're sneaking out. It gets reported to Absalom, so they have to hide. Once Absalom's guys come and can't find them because they're hidden in a well and the lady puts a thing over it, puts cornmeal on it, and the guys come in looking for him. She says, I ain't seen him. And he takes off and they're hiding there, right? Then they come out and they go to David and they give him advice. They say, hey, David, here's the advice. He's coming with all Israel, man. He took Hushai's bait, and he's coming with all Israel, and they're going to overrun us. You better run. You know what David says? Mighty David, the giant killer, the bloodshedder, the guy with a bunch of valiant men. I mean, boy, they were lion-like. That's what these guys knew about them. They said, listen, there might only be about 600 of them, but those guys are 600 Navy SEALs. They will kill 10, 20, 30 to 1. He says, all right, guys, let's run. Now, I, I don't know how many of you really understand that get that. Like, you're asking guys that, that fight like breathing air. You understand what I, after a long time doing it, you don't think about it anymore. You just move. You understand what I mean? And you love it. You're, you gotta have that, you're an adrenaline junkie. And they love their king and they're chased like a bear robbed of her whelps. They will slaughter them all. They kill that little punk. They have no respect for that pretty boy Absalom. They want nothing to do. That's their king. And he says, let's run. You know what I know he knows? I know he knows those guys are like, what in the world is wrong with him? But they're good men. They're loyal men. They're men who will say, all right, if that's what you want to do. It just happened over here. We were going back and forth, and I had to get up there, and he's like, the mic ain't working. You're going to have to use the handheld. And I, my mind went right to this one. He said, I connected the wrong cord last night. I said, no, let's fix it. He said, now? I said, yeah, now. He said, are you sure? I said, yeah, now. Well, I don't care about it. Let's just do it. Because I didn't want to be holding that while I was preaching. He's like, okay. You know what that was? You're an idiot, but if that's what you want, all right, you know. <laughs> I get it from Rob all the time. Dave just says it, but you're an idiot, but you're the boss. You know, like you understand what I'm saying? When you got some good guys around you that you love and respect and worked with them for a while, and they love and respect you, and you make a decision they don't agree with, but they're like, all right, man, that's not easy because you want them to respect you. But you know you're doing what you got to do at the moment. You see the situation, David? This is hurtful to David's pride, I'm sure. But you know what David's motive was in getting advice? Let me show you David's motive. Watch this. It's very important to grab a hold of this. Go back to chapter 15, please. 
chapter 15 and look at verse number 14. David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us, and watch it, and smite the city with the edge of the sword. You know what David's saying? Hey guys, if we stand our ground and fight here, listen, there's no doubt in my mind David would have won, and David knows he'd have won. But he said that battle and the positions that we're in right now is so bad that a lot of innocent people are going to die. And I'm not going to stand my ground for my pride's sake and watch a bunch of people I love get wiped out. I'm a king. You understand that? i got to think about more than just me and more than just my throne and more than just my position. Let's get out of here. You know what David's doing? His motive? He's looking beyond himself. He's looking at the fallout of his actions. He's having wisdom to look two, three, four, and five steps down the road and say, if I make that choice uh, for the sake of my pride, if I make that choice, then that's the fallout of what I do. But if I can lay my pride down and trust God a little bit, I can keep some people alive. You know how hard that is? Look at another one. He's, in the, he's not thinking about himself. Look at chapter, uh, verse number 19, chapter 15, verse 19. Then said the king to Atei, the Gittite, Wherefore goest thou also with us? Return to thy place and abide with the king, for thou art a stranger and also an exile. He, not just, he doesn't just see everybody. He sees this individual guy who's a, who's a Gentile. He's a stranger that came into Israel. And he's saying, listen, man, you're throwing away all your life. Whereas thou camest but yesterday, you just came. Should I this day make thee go up and down with us, seeing I go whither I may return thou, and take back thy brethren? Mercy and truth be with thee. Natai answered the king and said, As the Lord liveth, and as my Lord the king liveth, surely in what place my Lord the king shall be, whether will I die in life or death? Even there also will thy servant be. And David said, David said to Natai, Go and pass over. You know what David's motive is? Not himself. Hey, you know, Natai the Gittite's a great guy to have with you. You know, if you can't beat him, join him. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, if I can't beat a guy up, then I want to train with him. I want him on my team, right? I would never train in a gym where I can whip everybody. But if I can't whip him, I don't want him on the other team. I'd rather recruit him. Atea is a great guy to recruit. You know what David just said to him? David said, man, you just came to Israel. You got a bright future. Go hook up with Absalom. Stay with those guys. I guarantee you, if God had put David back on the throne and Atea was there, David said, mercy and truth, it would have been no problem. He wouldn't have been, you defector, you traitor. I'm telling you right now, I would. I'm not the man David was. I, wouldn't, I don't know I'd trust him ever again. That'd be a tough one, boy. You see the depth of David's character? He says, go on back, Atea. Atea said, man, I didn't come to Israel for Israel. I didn't come here for the American dream. I came here because you're the king, and wherever you go, I go, and where you die, I die. I'm with you. But I'm just wanting you to see David's motive when he gets advice and when he gives advice. His motive was to take the best care of the other person. A lot of counsel coming at you. Lots of places you can go. Just just hop on YouTube and you can get any doctrine you want to get. Why are you looking for advice? What do you want from it? I wonder how many of us really care about other people like we should. I wonder how many of us can pull our stinking heads out of the sand 
and stop being so obsessed with ourselves and begin looking at around us and saying, there's other people that are hurting. There's other people that are getting impacted. There's other people that need some help. Hey, what can I do to help somebody else out? I want God to teach me how to help other people, not just how to secure my own future. David's motives are pure. Look at verses 24 through 29. It says here, And though Zadok also and all the Levites were with him, bearing the ark of the covenant of God, and they set down the ark of God, and Abiathar went up until all the people had done passing over. And the king said to Zadok, Carry back the ark of God into the city. If I shall find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me, bring me again and show me both it and his habitation. You know what David says in this part? He says, Hey, fellows, why are you bringing the ark? Talking about David's motives, right? Hey, guys, what's the ark doing here? David, this is the presence of God. we got to have the presence of God. David said, no, 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 no. Proper protocol is that that ark dwell in Jerusalem. God wants that ark in Jerusalem. Yeah, but if we have the ark with us, hey, stop. It's never wrong to do right to get, never right to do wrong to get a chance to do right. That ark is supposed to be in Jerusalem. Take it back right now. What about us? If God loves me, God will bring me back. You see David's motives all the time. What you're seeing from David now is that his motives are looking beyond himself, beyond his own position, looking at what God wants and what's best for everybody else. So when David gets counsel, David gets counsel that begins to impact decisions he's making. Look at chapter 16 and verse number 11. David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son which came forth of my bowels seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. See what David's saying here? David's saying, listen, leave it alone. Let me go kill him! That's the counsel David got, right? I'll take off his head, cursing my lord the king, one of his mighty men. He says, man, you're too hard for me. But, but I'm getting older now, and I've been through some stuff now. I've felt some real pain, and that real pain hasn't made me bitter by the goodness and grace of God. That real pain's made me softer, and you fellows are always wanting to kill everybody, and I'm getting sick of you. Grow up with me. That's what he's telling them. He said, let him curse. Maybe God wants him to curse because I've made some big mistakes in my life and I deserve a little cursing. And if God wants to take care of it, God will leave it alone. You see his motive? Now, now I'm, I'm pointing that out because what we got in this text is really confusing and I don't want you to leave flustered. I don't want you to leave like, well, I thought that was truth, but is truth really truth? It's not that mystical, okay? But it's dangerous. Watch the next point. First of all, you want good counsel. Ask yourself your motive for receiving counsel and the motive of the person counseling you. Number two, you better pay attention to the man giving the counsel. Ahithophel is a man full of bitterness. Ahithophel is Bathsheba's grandpa. His counsel is good counsel. You understand? It's wise counsel. It makes all the sense in the world when he talks. When you hear it, you say, that's good stuff. But there's a problem. You know what the problem is? 
It's the individual giving the counsel. Sounds kind of judgmental, doesn't it? Well, when you're making decisions that are going to impact the rest of your life, you better judge the man giving you counsel. You better step back and ask yourself, is this guy bitter? What's this guy's personal walk with the Lord? What's the fruit of his life? Where is he at? Why didn't Absalom ever stop and say, he betrayed my dad after all these years, he'll betray me. Listen, I'm telling you, some of you this, not to dig up anybody's past. Do you understand that? But from this moment moving forward, you need to think about something. You're going through a bad spot in your marriage. You have chemistry with some. You have no business having chemistry with anybody. That's right. Well, we just had chemistry. You're an idiot. That's right. What are you, a dog? <laughs> I, that's rough, isn't it? I, but I'm trying to get you to think because I care. We had chemistry. Well, if that fool cheat on their spouse, what makes you think they won't cheat on you, genius? Well, her husband's such a jerk and he's such a loser and technically he's already abandoned her. She's already abandoned him, you know. They haven't left yet, but, you know, they're getting divorced and paperwork isn't signed. But, hey, genius, it's the individual that's the problem. It's not whether or not you can justify the wisdom. It's not whether or not it sounds good to you or feels right to you. It's the individual. It's the heart of the person that's the problem. Hey, that doesn't change without a miracle from God. Absalom should have stopped and said, Hey, that guy ain't right. I care how spiritual he sounds. I don't care. I don't care what kind of a King James Bible you're carrying around, if it's a Ruckman reference Bible or whatever you... I don't care. Old school feel, but I don't care how many scripture verses you can quote. If your heart ain't right with God, you ain't right. Don't try to advise me. I don't care how much counsel you can give and how good it sounds. If you're a wicked man, you're a wicked man. Do you know it takes an intellect... I un- Listen, I understand the Holy Spirit of God teaches the Bible. And I understand that He's the one that turns the lights on and that if you reject the light, He turns it off. I get all that. But don't you realize a lot of people can learn all that stuff when they're right with God, backslide later, and the brain still has the capacity to hold all the information? Don't you realize that the Bible tells you that there is worldly wisdom that is not after God? but is earthly, sensual, and devilish, and is very good wisdom. Don't you understand that the devil quoted the Bible to Jesus Christ? And that when he appears, he appears as an angel of light, and his ministers as ministers of righteousness. He's more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he's wiser than Daniel. You better evaluate who you're getting the advice from, because it might be ruining your life while it sounds really, really good. And that was the problem in this text. Ahithophel is telling him exactly what he needs to hear, and it's absolutely good advice. But Ahithophel is a bitter man wanting to destroy David, and David knows the danger of Ahithophel because he realizes that guy's full of wisdom. So he prays back there and says, God, please turn the, the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness, and God didn't do it. 
God said, no, that's not my plan. I'm going to let Ahithophel keep saying all the right things because I am going to send Hushai in there to confound the whole mess and to lead that boy off astray. Now watch something very interesting because Hushai comes into the picture, right? You've got this guy Ahithophel. He's full of pride. You can look at it later in in verse number 23. When they don't take his advice, he goes and hangs himself. That's verse 23 in the same passage in 17. Why does he hang himself? Because the man giving the advice was full of himself. And when they didn't take... Listen, if you don't take my advice, my job... No matter if you come and ask me, you know, Pastor, what do you think? I need to talk to you. Can you make time for me? Sure, no problem. And you give them advice and you tell them exactly the right thing from the Bible, the right thing, and they don't go do it. So what? They get on the phone with some other preacher and do what he says. Okay, so what? You asked me, I told you. You don't take my advice, I don't own you. That should be my attitude, right? But man, when you're full of yourself and somebody don't listen to you, I'm going to hang myself. Full of pride. His life was over when Israel stopped listening to him. Rather than him stepping back and saying, God, what are you doing? And God say, boy, you're on the wrong side. And him hitting the knee and getting right with God and getting on the right side. All he had to do was change his heart. He had it all. He had it all. It was his heart that was the problem. Hushai comes in there and he says, I'll give him some advice. And God says, all right. Now watch the speech of Ahithophel. Watch this. This is crazy because this is the right, this is the man that's right with God. Look at him. When he comes in here to begin giving his advice, first he appeals to fear and not faith. Look at verse 8. For Hushai, thou knowest thy father and his men that they be mighty men, that they be chafed in their minds as a bear robbed of her whelps in the field, and thy father is a man of war and will not lodge with the people. The first thing he did when he's given advice sent from God to deceive him, to give him what, to, to get him to keep David safe, he appeals to his fear and not faith. That's in verse 8. Notice something else. He appeals to his personal preservation in verse 9. Behold, he is hid now in some pit or some other place. It will come to pass when some of them be overthrown at the first, that whosoever heareth it will say there's a slaughter among the people that follow Absalom. And he also that is valiant, whose heart is as the heart of a lion, shall melt. For all Israel knoweth that thy father's a mighty man, that they be with him are valiant men. You know what he said? First of all, you know how tough they are. Second of all, if you do it the way Ahithophel said, you know you won't make it. He's appealing to his fear. He's appealing to his own preservation of himself. That's bad counsel. That's bad counsel. I don't care how scared you are to do right. Do it anyhow. I don't care how much you want to preserve yourself. If doing right means you pay for it, you're going to do right anyhow? You know some people do right and get it in the neck. But you're supposed to do right anyhow. That's good counsel. People, depending on your motive, I ain't listening to that. You know, serving God will cost you something. That's not the message you're getting out of the most pulpits nowadays. He appeals to nostalgia in the past in verse number 10. Oh, you know how mighty they are. How do you know they're not getting old and weak now? Don't stay stuck in the past. You know, a lot of advice that you'll get from people will always dig up the past. If you've put the past in the past and somebody digs up the past, you got the wrong counselor. Well, we know how you are. Well, we know how you used to be. We know what sins you used to commit. Get away from them. That's the advice sent to deceive you and trip you up and uh, increase fear and all the rest of that stuff. 
He appeals to his uh, positivity and he's very dramatic in verses 12 and 13. As dew upon the ground. It's a beautiful, picturesque speech and it's a, a powerful oration and it's there to make us all feel better. And it, it just, everything Ushaya was saying was all wonderful, great language. Drew a mental picture. We'll pull every stone down. And he's really dramatic. But it's not the right advice. Go back with me quickly, if you would, to 1 Kings. Uh, Forward with me, actually. 1 Kings, I want you to see something very interesting. Look at uh, chapter 22. 1 Kings chapter 22. I want you to understand this about the Lord. And you need to keep this in mind whenever you're... Um, counseling with somebody. God's got some issues here with Ahab and some things he needs to deal with with Ahab and Jehoshaphat, right? Uh, 1 Kings chapter 22, look at verse 10. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, sat each upon his throne, having their robes in a void place in the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets prophesied before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Shinei, made him horns of iron. See the drama? And he said, Thus saith the Lord, With these thou shalt push the Syrians until thou hast consumed them. He's doing the same thing Hushai did. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the king's hand. And the messenger that was gone to call Micaiah spake unto him, saying, Behold, now the words of the prophets declare good unto the king with one mouth. Let thy word, I pray thee, be like the word of one of them. And speak that which is good. And Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth, what the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. You know what he said? Don't tell me what to say. That's what he said. He said, Listen, all the prophets are telling the kings what they want to hear. Don't go in there and mess it up. And that joker, knowing what he was walking into, man, you talk about guts. You talk about a soldier. Like the Apostle Paul, physically weak and small. Most every man in this room probably could have physically beat him up. But you could beat that man and beat that man and imprison that man and stone that man and beat that man and he'd never bow or compromise. He was so set on God that was all that mattered to him, not even his own flesh. That's Micaiah. That's a real prophet. That's a real preacher right there. Verse 15, So he came to the king and the king said unto him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall we forbear? Now watch, now watch. I said you've got to consider the man giving you advice, right? The source of your advice. Micaiah says, I, uh, And he answered him, verse 15, Go and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. Now, now watch me for a minute. Look at this. This is what he said. I'll bet you he went like this. I'll bet you... Micaiah, shall we? All the other prophets are like, oh, there he is, man. That guy's a nut, man. Go and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hands of the king. You say, how are you reading in, why are you reading in the Bible like that? Because of the king's reaction. How long shall I adjure thee that thou tell me the truth? Right? Look at the passage. His response was, you smart aleck! How many times shall I adjure thee that thou tell me nothing but that which is true in the name of the Lord? He was using absolute sarcasm when he said, yeah, go and prosper. You want to lie, here's your lie. 
It would be exactly like some of you coming to me and saying, is it wrong to smoke weed? I mean, it's natural. And, you know, it's coming from the ground, like the herb. God give all the herb. And me saying, yeah, go smoke weed while you're at it. Snort a little coke, shoot a little heroin. I mean, why not? You know, you might as well. Because it's all natural, man. Peace, dude. <laughs> Depending on my mood, that might be exactly what I say to you. Oh, sure, go ahead, get stoned. <laughs> Well, use the Bible. We already talked about that, right? And you go, man, he's such a jerk. Why is he talking to me like that? Because you know exactly what I'm saying. It's exactly what happened. You better consider the man giving you advice. He's telling him what he wants to hear, saying, go die if that's what you want to do. And what winds up happening is he says, tell me nothing but the truth. He said, all right, I'll tell you the truth. I saw Israel scattered on the, on the hills and all that stuff. And goes in there and tells them exactly what's going to happen. And they say, lock him up in prison. And don't let him out till I come back safely. He says, if you come back safely, God didn't speak by me. Now lock me up, boys. You can lock up the body, but you can't lock up my soul. God will talk to me in prison just like he's talking to me now. The advice, you better consider the person you're getting advice from. I just, I've just had it up to here with these people that base their doctrine and what they believe off of some guy they've never met because of a YouTube page. Some little goofball somewhere in his mama's basement setting the thing up like he's popular just because he's got thousands or even hundreds of thousands of followers means absolutely nothing. Amen. It's a mirage of reality. Everybody's just taking advice every time they go, why don't you consider the man that you're getting advice from? The individual that's talking to you back in 2 Samuel will wrap the message up. Hushai comes along and gives him all this advice, but the idiot, Absalom, doesn't stop to say, that guy's been really loyal to my dad for a really long time. What is he doing here? He don't have a motive like Ahithophel does with the granddaughter. You realize he's in a rock and a hard place right now? There's no good advice for him. Because this guy telling him good stuff that's a good man, he doesn't have the sense to evaluate the man and say, he's probably setting me up because he's loyal to dad. And he doesn't have the sense to evaluate Ahithophel and say, he's probably really bitter because of Bathsheba, his granddaughter. And I know he's always been a little off. I probably shouldn't listen to him either. I'm probably wicked and my motive for getting advice is wrong and I'm fixing to mess my life up. Maybe I need to deal with God. That's our concluding point. You all can be happy because we're about to get out of here and go eat. It is insane. It is mad for you and I to take advice of any kind. Good advice from a bad man. Bad advice from a good man. Good advice from a good man. Bad advice from a bad man. It's nuts to seek counsel without considering that there's a God in heaven that has got something for you. And it can take care of you. I'm not saying don't get advice. You need advice. We all need advice. David needed advice. But look at it. We're done. God's using Ahithophel and God's using Hushai. Just like God used Pharaoh and God used Moses in the exact same circumstances. So you got circumstances in your life, right? And you got counselors, both good and bad, I'll guarantee it. And you got decisions to make on a daily basis. Job. 
I'm telling you right now, don't try to convince me that God's leading you to Colorado somewhere or California somewhere because you got a great big job and you're going to make so much more money and you're going to find a church once you get there. Then you're going to try to convince me that that's God. Well, the circumstances lined up and you wouldn't believe the doors that had opened up and uh, not every opportunity is necessarily an open door. Now, I don't care if you like what I'm saying or not because I care about you. And I'm not here to preserve myself. So if you don't like it, then that's just tough, whatever. But the fact of the matter is, is God's not leading you somewhere to make more money because God cares about your stinking American dream. He cares about your soul. Better watch out what kind of advice you get when you got to make decisions. Look at God's providence. God gives them an empty well to hide in when they need to hide. That's in verse 18. The lad sees them and they go running and there's a well in Behurim, and they go down in the well. You know what's funny about that? It's an empty well. Who needs an empty well? Don't you, aren't you looking for a drink of water when you come to a well? You know, sometimes it gets kind of dry, but that's exactly what you need because God says what you need is not to run right now. You need to hide. And when you need to hide and you're in a desperate moment because the enemy is about to overrun you, God Almighty will provide a place to hide just like that out of nowhere. You see what you need is God? God can provide a place to hide. More than once in my life, I've just needed to hunker down. I've just needed to hole up somewhere. You know what I like about our church? I think this church has been a place for some people just to come sit down and hide for a little while. The devil's been after them. Now we can go over there and just lower down a little bit of corn and a little bit of water and a little bit of food and just say, just, just stay there until it passes. I like that about God. He provides an empty well. God provides a twisted tongue. you already seen that in the passage. What do you mean a twisted tongue? God can mess up the counsel to direct your life because although all this counsel is destroying Absalom because he's chosen that, all this counsel is saving David and going to put him back on the throne later. What a confusing mess, huh? Not for God. David doesn't see the outcome, but God does. God provides an escape from the onslaught. In verse 22, David arises with the men and gets out of there before he gets overrun. You ever feel like you're getting overrun? Let me tell you something. When it gets really, really, really bad, please hear me. I've experienced this more than once in my life. When it gets really bad, God provides a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I would only say a couple times in my life has it been like really bad, like really bad. Like it almost is, and I don't like talking this way, and I don't believe in overdoing it, but like demonic. It's like the pressure is just more than you're losing it. Literally, you're losing it. Call me crazy if you want, but you stare at me like that all you want. I guarantee you, I know sooner or later, everybody gets to that point in their life a couple of times at least. Can I tell you something wonderful about God? When you're losing it, He's not. And He says, fellas, they're coming. Now go on and get out of here. Yes, sir, thanks for the counsel. My pride isn't that important. 
you say run, I run. If you say hide, I hide. If you say sit, I sit. If you say fight, I fight. You're God and I'm not. He provides a way of escape. And look at verses 27 through 29 and we're done. came to pass when David was come to Mahanaim that Shobi, the son of Nahash, of Rabbah, the children of Ammon, and Mashur, the son of Amael, of Lodibar, and Barzillai, the Gileadite, of Rogalim, brought beds and basins and earthen vessels and wheat and barley and flour and parched corn and beans and lentils and parched pulse and honey and butter and sheep and cheese of kine for David and for the people that were with him to eat. For they said the people is hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. You know what God can do? God can provide, God can furnish a table in the wilderness. It's miraculous. It can't be explained. But you never get out there in the wilderness in a position where you need to see the miracle until you follow God. By faith. Because you want God. And God's all that matters. And your motive for seeking God isn't just God. I'm losing my throne. Okay, I'm losing my house. I'm losing everything I got. I'm losing my family. Okay, God, what's next? You're it. I'll do anything. My motive is you. Thank you for putting people in my life that can help me. I'm evaluating that and I see who's who. But God, my motive is you and I'm not going to be so crazy as to listen to anything that's going to lead me away from you. Okay, go out in the wilderness. But Lord, I got all these guys to feed. But if you say go, I go. And God shows up and God doesn't just show up. God shows up and pours it out on them and gets them through because God isn't done yet. We're going to see in the next couple weeks God puts that man right back on his throne. And folks, I'm trying to tell you this morning, be careful about what counsel you receive and seek the counsel that comes from God in your life because God knows what's coming. God knows how to provide what and when and where and how and why. Make sure you're listening to the voice of God. Be careful about what you listen to because the decisions you make determine the outcome in your life. Let's stand to our feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.